Got a lot of things I want to say to you people. Yo, welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. And, you know, I, I'm i going to give myself a, a shameless plug right here. I just did a podcast called Coffee and Hardcore. I did an interview with them. And I used my wife's office and her computer instead of mine. And I listened to the episode this week and I, I sounded like shit. It sounded awful. I don't know if there's like the setting or something like that. So now I'm like super paranoid because I got the golden pipes. You do. And I just got to make sure that, you know, everything is, is, uh, sounds great for, I got to keep up the quality that our, our fans here at where it went expect. So hopefully I sound good this time because we have a cool episode, right? Jason, why don't you tell the people of the sun what come we're, now. what <laughs> come, come with it, come get it now, come get it now. What are we talking about? This week we're talking Rev number 56, Rage Against the Machines, People of the Sun, 10-inch, released in 1997. This is a wacky, wild record that I actually enjoy, but we're going to get to that eventually. Um, Yeah, well, I want to real quick say, too, just so people are clear, like... um, We have our outro. We still do outro stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're a patron and you're listening... You're getting that full outro. You know what, um, Greg? On, I, I got to stop you right here um, because I now I know you don't listen to our episodes after we record them because I explain all of this at the end with my golden pipes. <laughs> and I say exactly what you were just going to say. That, you know what? Insert Homer Simpson going backwards to the bush. Kid. That's right. If you were a patron, then right now you'd be listening to the three of us talking about our feelings about this record but all right but hey you know what for those who don't sometimes make it to the very end yeah that's true you know now you know now you know know that if you want to hear an extra sometimes like 45 minutes of us talking about music all sorts of music all manner of things then you gotta subscribe to us on patreon and it's great for the discord because we have the discord Uh and then a lot of the times we have really cool discussions based on what's talked about in the outro so for Mm -hmm. patrons we do have some bonus episodes lined up that'll be like standalone things Uh but i just kind of wanted everybody to know every time we put an episode up you're getting extra content yeah and a day early yes yeah that's true and i try to set it if i if Nine times out of 10, I remember, but I set it to go live at 2 a.m. Pacific, which means 5 a.m. Eastern, which means you could listen to this on the way to work on a Tuesday instead of of Wednesday, like every other schlep that's listening to us. For early risers, not Paul Riser. Uh, Would an early riser be (laughs) considered a person of the sun? (laughs) I just happened to watch the Curb Your Enthusiasm that had Paul Reiser in it. So I, I've got Reiser on the brain. Which one's Paul Reiser? Mad About You. Oh, yeah. He had, I don't, a, he had a short-lived show. I don't think had he's like very one funny. Episode. It was called The Paul Reiser Show, and it was like a 
PG version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I remember it was like on after the office or something once. Uh, I'm, I, that, that doesn't sound like anything I care about at all. Well, apparently nobody did because it lasted yep. for one episode. But anyway. Anywho, I think right now would be a good time to. Yeah, I mean, it's probably something that you're going to cover, but we had a lot of people that reached out to us to try to get us in contact with members of Rage. And I thought that was cool. Um, just a reminder that we're lucky to have the guests that we've had on in the past. And so I just want to bid up everybody that's come on to talk to us and to Jordan to coming on and talking with us about this record and all the other records. It's, it's a cool thing. I'm happy that they do it. It's a good way to properly share their stories. So yeah, bid you know, up especially bit about a killer Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, for real. Bit of boat, uh, yeah, boat to Oise, uh-huh. uh Matt Berlant. Um, they both did try to uh multiple times, I believe, to try and get someone from the band on here. I don't yeah. know what uh, people were expecting. Billy like, Tunnell, Billy Tunnell tried to help us out too, but thank you. Um yeah. and and I love when people are like, oh, you should get you should get Zach to be on your fucking podcast. Yeah, no shit. We should get Zach. But you know what? He's busy and he doesn't want to be on our podcast, apparently. So it's not like we didn't try to get these people. We tried. They just, I don't know. It's not us. It's them. I'm convinced it's not us. It's them. There's it's nothing us. wrong with us. What about you, Greg? Anything a bit about this week? No, nah, I'm good. I'm silent for once. Mm-hmm. Speechless. Um, I would like to give a bit of bow to the local hardcore scene here, including uh, the band Firestarter and Take It to Heart. I talk about these bands quite often, and they are two of the coolest local bands in our area. And they, and also Major Pain. Um, they all have members who have talked to me about what we do on our podcast. And that's really validating to hear um, like younger hardcore dudes interested in what we have to say and not just dusty old men like us. Agreed. So, um, bit of bow to Orange County Hardcore. And uh, also, you know, I just, I, I don't really have a reason, but I, it's on my mind. I just want to give a bit of bow to Young Blood Records. Um, because they are fucking down for the core. And, oh yeah. And, and, uh, also on my 25 years, I believe now is the, this is 25 years of, I could be mistaken. It's around that maybe even 26. I bought a young blood, a young blood shirt, uh, maybe in the last six months or so. And every time I wear it, I get a lot of compliments and that's kind of a big deal in my world, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anything Sean else? Young blood. Sean Youngblood, great dude. Bit of yeah. bow. Bit of bow. Anything Let's, else? Let's uh I think that it's time to kick it. Can I kick it? Kick it, kick it.
So what's up? We got uh, Jordan Cooper, Revelation Records here. Um, Because I have some questions, Jason. I know you got questions about Rev Rev 56, Rage Against the Machine, People of the Sun EP. I was talking with Jordan, or with Jordan, (laughs) with Jason earlier, and I was saying how this you know, there's certain mysterious records so far on Rev, like the Slipknot 7-inch, um, and then to a lesser extent for me, like the Engine Kid Ice Burn, like stuff I knew nothing about. And then this one's kind of like hidden in plain sight because it's one of the biggest bands of the 90s, and especially at that time, 1997, when this uh, comes out. But... It just kind of like, like, it seems like it came out and I, I remember being like, oh, this is on Revelation. That's, that's kind of weird, but cool. Like, I remember it sort of like legitimized Rage Against the Machine a little more for me. I was like, okay, awesome. Um, I guess I want to start, Jordan, just going back a little bit. Like, I know you talked with us on the, uh, one of the Inside Out um, episodes that we did. So you were obviously a fan of Inside Out. Um, Inside Out breaks up, you know, that's the seven inch is legendary. It's like one of the, you know, most talked about, discussed, debated, hardcore releases. You know, it's, it comes up so many times on this podcast about people's favorites. This is a long-winded way of saying, what was your reaction when you first heard that Inside Out was done and then I guess within a couple months, Zach was doing this new project. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that Inside Out was over, but I remember hearing that Zach had this new band, and there was, you know, there was a tape being passed around, their, their demos getting passed around, and people were just, you know, uh, really into it. And somebody invited me to go see them at uh in a living room in maybe huntington beach or or costa mesa somewhere right around here and i just couldn't believe what i was seeing and hearing like i think i said that exact thing but uh last time we talked about it but um yeah it was just you know zach um it was it was like he uh found a new art form or something he just was all the energy of inside out was like now um you know redirected into this new band and it was kind of uh really it was really impressive to me he was always great as you know i'd only seen i must have only seen inside out two or three times but he was always amazing um you know charismatic speaker and everything and then this you know just was taking it to to, to the next step was that the show? Uh, I think that might have been the show Porcel was also at, right? Probably. Because um, I remember he, he said when he heard about the project that he was like, what? And then everybody went that went to this show in the living room was like, you know, had their foot in their mouth, basically, because they were like, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah, your jaw hit the floor, not just because of how good it was, but also just like he just jumped into, you know, like. Rage Against the Machine sounds like a rock band to a lot of people, but 
to, to like if you only listen to hard to hardcore the way I had for the, you know or, or like you know hardcore related music it sounded like hip-hop you know it was to me it was like Zach's a rapper now you know or something and it and doing it you know doing it well so I, I I was you know I was blown away on a couple of different levels plus just all these people I didn't know in a house going crazy to this new band you know it's just a good uh a really good show one of the few shows in a living room that was it was probably the best living room show I'd ever been to of, of three or so yeah so did Revelation approach them about trying to release the first LP or try to do something with them around that time period? Or were they already off on track to go with major label interest? I don't know. I don't, I think it was already like, uh, they were probably already signed by the time that living room show happened. You know, I, I don't know. Um, it, was, it wasn't a question in my mind. It was like uh, Purcell might have thought we should do something, but I, I don't think that was really even. I didn't think it was an option. Probably. Yeah, I know. From I mean, I wasn't. I didn't hear them until they were already huge. But my understanding was they put out that tape with like the match book on it or whatever the match, and it like immediately was like for lack of a better like wildfire like it was like you know it went nuts and i always was wondering you know from people that knew zach from inside out like what that must have been like because at that time i mean people from hardcore bands didn't really like blow up like that yeah well they did you know they did but they were still like there's offspring and and nirvana and green day but um those i don't even know did, did rage against the machine come before that or same time or after i, I anyway the, the difference was this was they were they weren't doing they didn't just uh transition from it's not like inside out got signed and got big it was like this whole new thing with um you know his other friend you know maybe his uh, other friends from high school that were not in hardcore bands i don't know because uh, he obviously, I think he went to high school with, um, I can't think of the guitar player's name. Um, oh, yeah, Timmy C., the bass player. Um, okay, Timmy C. Was yeah, he was to, like friends with the Hayworths and all that stuff. Okay, so I, I don't, you know, I didn't know anyone in the band other than Zach, but um, yeah, uh, that's. But do you knew from that living room show that this band's going to be a pretty big band and that they were going to do it big things. Like, I, I didn't think necessarily that because you know there's a lot of bands like no doubt and sublime that kind of did <laughs> sort of struggled for a long time before they got popular but it was like the quality i thought they they should get big it whether they would or not was not they deserve to be big is what i thought you know i, I think um yeah but yeah, maybe I think everybody thought that they were going to be huge. Yeah. I remember hearing the demo. They played the demo at a show I went to at the 930 Club and just hearing the demo over loudspeakers, the whole room was captivated from hearing Killing in the Name of for the first time. 
I just yeah. remember that feeling of being in a room and that was not at a live show. So I can only imagine seeing that at a house show would have just been phenomenal, but. Yeah, and I, I didn't, um, I, I don't think I had even heard the demo at that time. So it was just completely getting bowled over by something I wasn't expecting. And then when I got the cassette, uh, or the demo I was listening. Yeah, it was, uh, it sounded to me like an album. And when the album came out, I thought, uh, you know, they could have easily just put out the demo, you know, it was just as good, but. Yeah, I think it's a lot of the same um, songs on that demo, maybe a couple, well, not maybe, there's a few different ones. Um, but yeah, a lot of it's, Pretty much the same as on the as as the album. Um, so fast forward, they put out the first record, um, and it was I would say their their pop their right the record came out in November of ninety two, uh, the first album, and I would say that they didn't immediately like, they didn't immediately blow up to like the level that they're at, you know now or even by Evil Empire, like when they played here, I believe they played at J.C. Dobbs, which is like a small uh, club, you know, and they were on the Lollapalooza. I think once they did the Lollapalooza in 93, which at that point the record had been out for, you know, almost a year, um, was when they started to gain steam. So they do the second album. So how did this, this EP, like, get into the hands of Revelation where you guys got involved? Um, I think like um, a lot of the a, a lot of the bands that were signed, we we were doing vinyl for their major label releases. Like we did a Seven Seconds record, we did an Into Another record, and a Quicksand record. Um, so I think somebody just thought, why not ask if we can do this? And and Zach said sure. And um, you know somebody here went jump through all the hoops with um sony to make that happen yeah because i was we were talking actually jason and i um you know before the, this discussion and now this has an actual this has a rev star on it has a rev catalog number i know the seven seconds vinyl doesn't have a rev number, but I believe it had the star. And then you mentioned no doubt. If I recall, didn't wasn't there a few other vinyl releases that said like you know distributed by Revelation? Like I want to say no doubt, uh, Tragic Kingdom, and uh, I think the All Pummel album, right? It was like yeah. stuff that was on Interscope, right? Am I? Yeah, we we had a handful of Interscope records that they that. They couldn't sell them. They they just shipped us a bunch of vinyl to sell, and then they let us. Uh, they licensed us a handful of records like Bush, All, No Doubt, and a couple others um, okay. that we sold, like Possum Dixon and Young Gods, and I don't remember everything. Uh, <laughs> Red Five, we did a record for, but that might not have been through Interscope. But anyway, yeah, we, there was a lot of like um licensed vinyl in those years and i don't remember whose idea it was but somebody thought that rage against the machine probably made more sense than doing all that stuff yeah i mean it it to me it like made sense immediately obviously because of you know the inside out uh connection and then you know 
I'm sure it was had to be a trip for you, like to put out a record that has Chuck D on it. I would think, right? Yeah, like, I'm assuming that you know you're. Um, it's just a it was it's just an interesting, it, it's an interesting time period piece because again this band was massive at this point you know played on saturday night live and evil empire had come out and like might have even went to number one i I forget um and here they are you know putting out a a, an ep on rev um yeah it was the best uh it was the one thing where you know relatives or whatever anybody you run into when when they ask you like uh what do you do for work and you say you know, put out records and they're like, well, have I, have I heard of anybody? And then like, finally, <laughs> I had something that people might've heard of. Yeah. That was my question. I was going to ask if someone, if someone asked you, oh, you put out records, you put out anything I know, would you say I put out Zach's first band or would you say I put out the Rage Against the Machine, People of the Sun 10 inch? Yeah. Either, either one uh, you can yeah people have heard of zach people have yeah. heard of you know a young person's heard of zach everybody's heard the name rage against machine and um and even you know even gorilla biscuits at, at some point i was able to say that and people might not really have any idea what gorilla biscuits is but they they've heard the term and they don't know if it's a band or what, the slang term you know like yeah i've yeah. gotten uh gorilla biscuits has, has gotten some recognition over the years finally too it, did you see a big boost in the inside out sales after yeah, inside out inside out surpassed year by year sale year to year sales for a few years inside out was actually higher than start today when when rage was the biggest and then did on this ep did it have because jason and i were wondering too we we're like did it have bigger sales than a normal rev release or but the fact that it was vinyl and like a lot of people probably only knew rage against the machine and not about you know hardcore and revelation and stuff probably yeah because it was vinyl in those days and it's a 10 inch so yeah like it just didn't it never sold as well as inside out did the 10 inch but it's you know we sold you know we sold a lot of them we kept it in print it was uh it was a good record for us. And like chances are they'll be, I mean, they've, they've been up for eligibility in the rock and roll hall of fame. So like, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, they'll get in at some point. And then you can also say, I put out a, a record by somebody in the rock and roll <laughs> hall of fame. Right. Um, so cool, yeah. this, this is a, a question. I hope you said today gets in the rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I think there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a punk rock museum or hall of fame. Fat Mike is putting something together, so yeah. hopefully uh, they'll be in there. They yeah, I know be. it. And of course, Gorilla Biscuits. They're yeah. going to be in there, absolutely, yeah. among other things. But um, I guess my my question too was, and you can feel free to say you don't want to answer this since. It's fine. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed with with Zach um, and, you know, reading press, like he's very selective of, he's not Dave Grohl, right? Like I always think of like, you look at him and Dave Grohl, both came, you know, both about the same age. I think they're like a year apart. 
both came from the hardcore scene. You know, everyone knows Dave was in Scream and, and all this stuff. Dave is in every documentary. You know, sometimes he gets criticized like, oh, God, another documentary, another Dave Grohl talking head. I'm a big yeah, fan. He's everywhere. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Grohl's, so I'm cool with it. Yeah, he's, he's a genius. Yeah, he seems like a rad guy. I mean, I, I love his music. And then, you know, he Zach told a good and, joke in an interview, like, uh, what's the last thing the drummer heard before he got uh, said before he got kicked out of the band? Hey, guys, check out these songs I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also then he also showed he showed everybody like, well, but um, then Zach. Now, I know, obviously, everybody's different, different personalities. Dave has that kind of personality. But sometimes it seemed like, you know, there'd be these little nuggets of like you'd see a random interview from the early 90s where Zach would talk about, you know, the hardcore scene and how much he loved like he was really loved like discord and and that whole side of things. And, you know, the band uh, thanked Ian and Alec Mackay in the first record for inspiration and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it wasn't like Dave Grohl, you could probably Google 15 different interviews where he'll talk about his time and screen or like, you know, he'll talk about blast like, he, you know, or whatever. Do you, I, I feel like Zach, it's, it's much more difficult to find him talking about any of that stuff. I have my own theories as to why he's kind of like, just keeps it separate um but i wondered if you had any insight as to why like to me i just always thought like oh rage against the machine like i got into so much music from bands like nirvana that would like talk about other bands or wear their t-shirts and and rage against the machine didn't necessarily do that i mean i know zach wore los crudo shirt and a video and stuff um very long-winded i'm sorry but i've thought about it for the past 25 years so um I'm just curious if you had any thing to add to that or, and again, I can give you my, I mean, I'd be guessing just like you, you know, like I, I, I have no idea. I, I mean, if you look at Gorilla Biscuits, you know, Walter is a, Walter is a Dave Grohl of Gorilla Biscuits and Siv is kind of the opposite. Like you can't find an interview with Siv anywhere. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make time. To oh, talk we to know. Anyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, I think it has to do with, you know, people's time, you know, it's different for everybody, but people's time, maybe they're not as comfortable sharing stuff or, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it, 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 you know, without asking, I would just be guessing. Yeah. Um, but like for, like, I never wanted to talk to anybody, but you guys just kept plowing through this stuff. So I was like, well, uh, you know speak now or uh the wrong information might get out there you know like uh i think sometimes um yeah motivation uh, the motivation to to talk is hard to to get you know uh, for me it's like I, I don't feel comfortable hearing my own voice and not comfortable with what i'm going to say like how genuine you know it's, it's sometimes it's hard to find your true motivation for for things and if if you want to be really uh honest and genuine that's it's not just like uh you know for a lot of people it comes naturally and easily but you know sometimes it's hard to dig out your actual thoughts and opinion so i guess what you're saying too is maybe just because the fact that if if zach did 
hundreds of interviews, then yeah, probably 5% of them you could look and he'd be like, there'd be one where he's talking about, you know, how much he loved revelation records and, and, you know, inside out and stuff, but, but maybe because the, the, the number there's so much, it's like a lottery, right? Like the more tickets you buy, the more of a chance you have to win in theory. Right. So if you only buy one ticket or two tickets, you know, your percentages are, are less. Cause I, I was just, it always struck me because I thought, um, but I, then I think too, they're a message oriented band and their message went beyond just like support independent music. So that was part of my theory. One is, you know, they had a greater intention than just like, Hey, like, you know, I know reading interviews with Nirvana was like, we want to use our platform to like showcase other artists that we like, but don't get, don't get the love and Rage Against the Machine was kind of on a different tip. And I know too, Zach, you know, in the interview with Norm, uh, Norm Brannon and, and Antimatter talked about how very early on, I think he, um, I won't get specific, but like he was basically thought he was off the record and, you know, you get burned by a journalist, especially early on. It's oh, probably, wow. It's probably tough I remember to that now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I always thought that that probably played into it, which I can't, I can't <laughs> fault him. That's yeah. funny. Siv was telling me a story about, uh, he, somebody did an interview and, uh, and, uh, and then like five minutes later after the interview it was like, oh crap, Call, called back. and was like, Hey, you know, can I, can I, can I make some of that stuff off the record? And, uh, and the guy was like, Nope. I just put it out as it was. And, you know, yeah. And then that can, you know, that can really sour people from wanting to do anything. And I, I was also, I think with the whole thing with the connection to hardcore, my other theory was that, and, you know, Sterling who played inside out that we had on the show um, talking about inside out, he sort of touched on it where like, you know, in the nineties, remember major labels were like such a dirty word and any being. Yeah. We got a lot of shit. Maximum rock and roll wouldn't review revelation releases after we did the seven seconds vinyl. Right. So that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, nowadays you got a band like, like turnstile, right. That they play on late night TV and people myself included are like that's fucking cool as hell like this is awesome like they're they're out there doing it but back in the 1994 95 or you know whenever that would have been like the death knell for most people in in the scene you know they'd be like oh so i always wondered too if zach maybe got a lot of like the backlash and then it's just kind of like well probably well fine like you you want to like tell me I'm a sellout and I'm not part of this scene anymore. Well, then I don't care. And again, like you said, this is all just me kind of spitballing, but I always did yeah. wonder like, because of the time. Um, and like you said, zines wouldn't review. I mean, he had heart attack, wouldn't review stuff even with barcodes on it. And, yeah. And I stuff. think, I think yeah. that was the thing too, for us um, with heart attack, they, they didn't want um either anything from us or maybe certain things if it had a barcode but it's, it's five o'clock we got somebody out so i have to i have to do take care of a couple of things um before the end of the day so sure is there any other stuff you wanted to ask um you gotta if, tell us what your 
If yeah, you got you, a hot track. You have a hot track. And I'd say you can pick either something from this or even if you just have a Rage Against the Machine uh, song that. Uh, every, uh, I mean, all the hits are, I, I can't pick one, but I do, I do have a couple of memories specifically about this record. First of all, the, obviously, uh, Chuck D like public enemies, hugely influential to Ray and Alex Brown and everybody that, that was involved in the, you know, youth crew, uh, kind of scene in New York. Um, so having Chuck D on the record is pretty amazing. And um, yeah, Bulls on Parade is great. But um, the 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 um, Allen Ginsberg poem, um, I, you know, once again, a, a person way younger than me introduces me to something I should have known about all along. But, you know, I, I've heard the name Allen Ginsberg and um, through weird connections with friends i've actually been in his apartment um but i never heard it i never read any of his books or anything but um so zach pulling lines from from um what is the name of that poem so it, it's i think a... it's i think had to be playing on the jukebox is the name of the poem isn't it no, i don't i don't think okay sorry it's it's a famous it's it's a, you'd recognize the name but anyway it's a, it's a fam probably the most famous Allen Ginsberg poem poem never read it until I realized that that's what he was pulling the the words from and uh, you know we we're paying the songwriting royalties on that record and one at some point one of the publishing companies said oh because this is you know zach we own the you know this is rage against the machine we own all of that so you got to be you have to be paying us for that and i said um you know i told them no when we originally licensed this you know we they they gave us the publishing company from whoever owned alan ginsburg's poetry the, the money goes there um and the person was arguing like, no, it's, we got the contract that says Rage Against the Machine. And, and I had to actually send, send them the lyrics side by side with, um, what is that poem called? It's, it is, I actually just looked, yeah. it is called, um, Had to uh, be playing on the jukebox, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, maybe, maybe it's from a book that I'm thinking of the famous book title. But anyway, so I sent the lyrics and they're like, oh, okay. And that was that was the last I heard from them. So did you see him do that live? I saw some videos of him reading from that book live. Is that something that you saw? Howl. Is Howl is Howl a different poem then? Yes. Uh, Howl okay, is, no. is a is a Ginsburg um poem. Let's see. All right. Yeah. No, right. you're yeah. Okay, so I was I was mixing two things up anyway. But, and actually, uh, he had died. He had died April fifth, nineteen ninety seven. So he had just passed away, I guess, when this record came out, um, like around that time. I saw some videos online of Zach reading from a book live. I watched about three or four of them, and I think that this version that's on the ten inch is the best of all the videos that I saw, at least the most powerful. And it also starts out with him calling out the frat boys which was just killer. But uh, yeah, what do you, so what do you think is your favorite song on this one? If you had to pick a hot track, so to I speak. I can't pick one, you know, like they're, they're all so different, 
you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. see if there's a collection of. It's so weird because like the music is so good, and then the the you know like the message each one is different. So I I don't know. Yeah, and was the artwork all ready to go for this? Was it already released? Oh, or that's was it released or? Yeah, I think um, somehow we got connected with um, an artist that worked for Sony, and then I don't know if she was already friends with people here, or, um, but anyway, somebody. So that was her name is Amy and I can't remember her last name but she actually really helped in getting it done getting getting all the parts for us and and uh really helped make make the whole package happen yeah and I see it says uh cover photography by Tina Modati I don't know if that rings any bells someone from the 1920s an Italian photographer oh that's, that's why okay yeah wow. um but it's also it's it's cool it's got the it's got the different um it's got the card for rock out censorship that you could send off to be a part of and then the women alive information parents for rock and rap and then the um other side of the insert has the uh the speech about the zapatistas in introduction to neoliberalism wow. it's an interesting a lot of text piece of history on there. yeah yeah it's, an, it's, it a, it's a super interesting uh, and is this the first 10 inch on Rev? Um, there was a there was one on Crisis. I think it was a split with Shai Halud. Um, but I don't remember what came first. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, that might be around the same time. But I think as far as a Rev catalog proper, this, oh yeah, probably uh, the this only would be one. the first. Yeah, I can't probably. think of any others. Did yeah. they make it? Did Rev make any Rage Against the Machine shirts? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I'll ask. Yeah. yeah. Just kidding. All right. So well, I, I got to get yeah. the road, but yeah. is there any last thing? Or I guess you can text me if you have any questions. I Like a bunch of frat boys at summer camp and shit. Had to be flashing like the Daily Double. Had to be playing on TV. Way to go, Jason. Well, that was a great uh, little conversation with Jordan, but I think that it's time for us to reveal our Hot Tracks! All right, listen, I listened to this record and then I listened to it on MP3 also today. Well, I listened to the, the live and rare, right? Bulls on Parade is not on the live and rare CD. 
Right. But everything it's on else. the 10 inch though, right? The studio version. I'm not it's, on the, it's not yes. Mandela effect. It's on correct. There. Correct. Okay. Oh, maybe that's why it is. I thought for some reason it was the live version on the 10 inch. Um, I think my hot track out of these six songs is without a face. I love that song. I love the studio version of that song. The live version doesn't quite hit as hard, but it's got that fucking mosh at the end. And then he like, Zach like screams over it. It's kind of this like halftime stomping mosh part. It's sick. So um, I had to be playing on the jukebox aside from the part that we're going to talk about in a sec. It's a weird like throwaway track. I don't think that it's 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 necessary to listen to. Um, Zapata's blood I thought was a good listen, but uh, my anyway my I, I'm just talking now. Without a face is my hot <laughs> track. Jason, what about yeah. you? Well, let me say so. The Zapata's blood on the live and rare is different than what's on this record. Oh really? Yeah, it is. I listened mm. to them back to back when I went jogging one day. I will uh-huh. say that. I do think how to be played on the jukebox is cool because it has this kind of combative nature of Zach against the crowd. Yeah. And I like that because I can picture a bunch of people just wanting to mosh and then him just pulling out that book of Allen Ginsberg poetry and just pummeling them with FBI, DEA, CIA. I just love that idea. Them. Yeah, but I think with purpose, punishing with purpose. Sure. But, I just... Um, I, I'm sure if you're in a live setting and you heard that song and you were a fan and you were, and this is not supposed to be a pejorative, but if you were woke, you'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, Zach, tell him. You go, go get him. Tell him all what's up. You know, I, yeah, I get that. But in listening to this song on the record, I'm like, next. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you have to be there live. It's a yeah. whole different thing. Um, live when you're there experiencing, I think it would be pretty cool. I just yeah. think it, I just think it probably just doesn't really capture the feeling of what it would have been like to be there and see that. Yo, is there footage of these songs? Yeah. Have you guys you've tried to track that down? Is yeah, like, I watched. But is there this? Is the footage of no. these? But so you watched. I've, there's a live version of "How to Be Playing on the Jukebox." Yeah, there's a few different live versions on there. Uh-huh. It's cool, and you can tell that it kind of engages the crowd and bums uh-huh. them out at the same time all right which i think was the purpose of it sure so um there's a few different videos been there, okay and why don't you drop that shit track the, why don't you drop that shit in the discord okay i'll do it after we get off great but my hot track has got to be black steel in the arrow chaos it's just cool to see that appreciation of public enemy from rage uh-huh. and then the appreciation right back from chuck d to them uh-huh. and i think it was probably impromptu uh-huh. From what I can tell, I don't think it was planned. And I think Zach's voice sounds awesome backing up Chuck D. Uh-huh. So that's my hot track. I think this is the that's the reason this record's cool. Because right. this is, I think, the only version of the single this that exists with that live Black Steel and the Arab Chaos on there. Yeah. Everything else is better recorded, but at the same time, what makes this record special? Chuck D comes out, they do Black Steel and the Arab Chaos. So... That's my right. hot track. I get down with that. Mine's boring. Bulls on parade. I just Come remember. With it now. I just remember first hearing that song. With it now. Um, when the video came on MTV. Uh huh. 
and here's the you know uh obligatory back when mtv used to play music <laughs> okay boomer <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but you know and it was like before the album came out i think and i believe that's the video where zach's wearing the los crudo shirt and you know it had been almost four years since the first album like three and a half years or something because one was 92 end of 92 and then this was like the spring of 96. And um, I just remember being like, the video is just wild. And you see like the crowd going nuts. And um, it's just a great song. So I'm going to pick that one. There it's it all is. Right. All right. Now I'm going to, Jason, I'm going to stitch. What's up, everybody? It's Javier again. Listen, I don't know if you were paying attention earlier when Greg uh, said that only the patrons, Patreon supporters, get to hear the outro. So normally here, like if you listen to our old episodes, yeah, there's like another 30 to even 60 minutes of me, Greg, and Jason talking about this record. So if you want to hear that, you got to go to www.wherewinpodcast.com, subscribe to our Patreon, and then that unlocks it. And while I'm here, I would like to give a bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tunnell, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, JPD2, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Nate of motherfucking head to wall fame, y'all. Rob Moran, Ryan Walker, Tim Shear, Tyler of Life and Death Brigade, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. Uh, thanks for your support, everyone. We honestly, truly appreciate it. And we will see you next episode. Later.